I want my money back. The money that your friend stole from me. $160 million with interest. I'm not the only person in the world looking for Ocean's Eleven. Huh. We need a job. We need a high-paying job. Well, now we're too hot to work anywhere in this country. Where are we going? I want it all back. Okay. Because I have a whole network. Get out here. of my car. Thank you. Now you told me that he called it Ocean Eleven. Now who decided that? That's a good point. I'm a private contractor. You're gonna have to play a small role in this thing. Small role. Who am I supposed to be? Well. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Franchise Fanatics. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Cody Lindley. And I'm your other co-host, Ryan Katmeyer. And today we're flying the ship solo. Well, as solo as you can be with two people. We don't have a guest. <laughs> as duo as possible. As duo as possible. Um, so we don't even have to do a guest intro, but today we are covering bum, 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 bum. actually less of a baseline for this film. Ocean's 12. Yeah, less baseline, more soundtrack, more, more actual soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is uh, I mean, I haven't seen Ocean's 8, as I think I mentioned on last episode. So this to me, and we'll get into this later, but this is the most unlike the other Ocean movies to me. This film, like it, it, it does a lot of. It evolves the idea of what the film is, but doesn't like <laughs> I don't know the right word here. It doesn't it doesn't fit into the same shoe. And we'll see that when we go to 13 next time. I'm getting ahead of myself. Ryan, shut me up with who we should be sponsored by. Who has got my bloody money? Uh, I'm going to say today we should be sponsored by AAA. I know I like to shout out local small businesses and everything, but uh, a friend had a flat tire this morning. We tried to fix it ourselves, but the jack wasn't working properly. So I called AAA 50 minutes later. They came on by very uh, swiftly, changed the tire, filled it up with a little bit of air, and we were on our way. So yeah, shout out to AAA. Good job, AAA. Uh, My sponsor for this episode is going to be Fabergé Eggs. Um, I think that they only exist to be plot points in heist movies because I've never, granted, I'm not rich. I'm so sorry, listeners, to break the news to you, but I've never seen a Fabergé egg. The only time I've heard about them is like a series of clue books that were like choose your own adventure when I was young was about a Fabergé egg getting stolen. This movie and uh, maybe some other movies, but that's like it. But yeah. This episode brought to you by AAA and Fabergé eggs. <laughs> I have a question regarding Fabergé eggs. So obviously, uh, as a plot point, they're known to be very expensive. With how much inflation has affected egg prices, like regular grocery store eggs, do you think the price of Fabergé eggs has also gone uh, up accordingly? Yeah, well, because you got to think. I think you're. I think you're right. The price has gone up. I think the value is there are only there's very few of them. As far as I'm concerned, there's four Fabergé eggs in the entire world. <laughs> Guys, when you like, subscribe, and comment your recasts on this episode, also let us know how many Fabergé eggs there are. Yeah, also, do if little, you... Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. I was going to say do a little Google search that we won't do, but Ryan, what were you going to say? I would say also, if you own a Fabergé egg, please find my address and write me a handwritten letter. If you own a Fabergé egg... Find my address and write me a handwritten check. 
Nice. All right. Danny's had enough of this, Mishigas. You already kind of started, so I'll allow you to sort of wrap up your initial thoughts here. If yeah, like. my initial thoughts here. Okay, so um, this movie, is, it leans more into the heist than I think that kind of charming old Vegas style, um, which is which is fine. But it's like, oh, let's let's do it. Let's like get the gang back together. Let's pull. I think they do like more heists in this movie. Like it's a lot of smaller executed things. Um, yeah, it's just a busy movie. It is a busy movie. There are like three antagonists, um, you know, with two of them not really being antagonists, kind of. Um, but yeah, it's you know, it's if you like the Oceans movies, it's more of that. You know, I, I really I think a lot of what I'm going to say is more in the recap rating point. So I'm going to I'm going to hold off for right now. But uh, Ryan. Yeah, there's kind of a lot going on here and it's all somewhat intertwined. Um, one initial thought I had when you talk about the antagonist is like, it seems like the way they set this movie up, like it's going to be Terry Benedict versus the 11, right? And then Terry Benedict quickly goes away, which was sort of a vehicle to bring in some other characters. But, you know, I don't know. You like to, you like Benedict so much from the first movie and Andy Garcia is just so great in this role. You you might want to see him versus them. Maybe he gets his own heist team. Maybe he jumps in on the action. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but regardless, yeah, you know, this movie, it, I don't know if it's like half-baked ideas or anything like that. But yeah, there, there's a lot going on. And I also just think like with like the way it ends and like all the reveals and everything, it's just not as satisfying as the first one. Yeah, I do. One thing that I find funny from a production standpoint I agree. It's not satisfying. It's not like I think the fact that we have a lot of smaller things going on and like it's a little bit more confusing. Um, just like we just watched this. Actually, we watched this together, which was super fun. We don't we often watch movies on our own, come in, give our thoughts. But we had some free time this week and we uh, just hung out and watched it together. Um I just watched it a couple of days ago and I already like have a tough time remembering the order of events, what characters do what. It's just a little bit more confusing once the the credits roll. But the one production thing I want to point out that's kind of interesting that we saw Hollywood go in this way at this point. Um, This is uh, via Wikipedia. Claudia Polg with USA Today. Sorry, Claudia, if I mispronounced your last name. Remarked. At the rate things are going, all of Hollywood will put in about a day's work on Ocean 17, which is funny because obviously there were four movies and then this franchise kind of ended. But that's Marvel. I feel like that is like that was Marvel. Like everyone is doing Mm. a day's work. Like I I listened to Smartless. Shout out to another podcast. (laughs) And uh, they were talking about to someone who isn't in the Marvel films. And I forget who it was. And they were like, hey, this is Marvel tapped you yet? Like. They sometimes will ask questions like that because it's just this. I love Marvel movies because I grew up on comic books, but it is just become a beast of like everyone, someone who, oh, someone's playing a role. But that's the that's the fun thing is like nowadays they have so many well-named actors playing so many things. It could be a cameo. It could be the next major villain. You really have no idea because everyone is in these movies. But I, I thought that was just so interesting that someone made that comment about this movie, like an ensemble film. Yeah. And that we actually did grow to that, just not within Ocean 17. 
Is there any crossover between the cast of these movies and the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Like, is Brad Pitt or Don... Oh, Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle. Never mind. (laughs) Yeah, Don Cheadle is War Machine. Matt Damon uh, has had cameos in, I think, one or two of the Thor movies. Um, But for the most part, I don't think there is a a lot of overlap. Um, I'm doing a real quick thing. No, yeah, I don't think so. Interesting. That is amazing. Speaking of of introductions and and new characters, we we are introduced to a few new characters uh, in this movie. Yep. Uh, first up, we have Agent Special Agent Lahiri, played by Catherine Zeta Jones, uh, former love interest of Rusty's. Um, her father was a master thief who left her at nine, but somehow, even at, by nine years old, she picked up every trick of every grift. They yeah. talk about that. They're like, she knows everything in the book, but she hasn't. Her dad left at nine. I'm like, how? Um, yeah, I remember we we were talking about that when we were watching it. It's like, well, he, she he disappeared by the time she was nine. And then she's like in her mid 30s. And she still recalls like these tricks of like raising houses and stuff. It's like eight year olds wouldn't like pick it up that much and then be able to recall it that well. Yeah. Decades later. Yeah. So. <laughs> but but yeah, it's besides that character point, which is, yeah, frankly, unbelievable. But like, yeah, she's Rusty's love interest from a while back. I think I might have already said that. But um, yeah, she she works for Europol because I guess Inter- <laughs> couldn't get the IP to Interpol. Yeah, apparently. I guess Interpol <laughs> is uh, you have to pay the rights to get it. Um, she's an agent and she's trying to track down the Night Fox at the beginning. And then that. Kind of. She's like, never mind. I just want to stop this Fabergé egg theft. Um, yeah. Yeah. She does a great job. Yeah. The character. I, I don't love the way it was written, but a nice addition to to the franchise, I would say. Um, and yeah, it, it was an interesting plot point to have it be Rusty's former love interest, kind of a la Tess to Danny Ocean and Ocean's Eleven. Um, yeah, they, they were kind of. Yeah, they had a little meat cute when he was running away from the cops. Uh which they flash back to at one point. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, I, I didn't love the way this character was written. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about it in my, in my recap. But yeah. yeah, which is interesting, though, because we did say we didn't think Julia Roberts had enough to do in the last movie. Right. And I think, you know, this was part of them being like both with Julia Roberts getting more to do in this film. Yeah. Uh, and a new lead female who also gets a lot to do. You know, she is. She's one of those three antagonists I kind of mentioned, along with Terry Benedict and the next character. We'll talk about the Night Fox. Um, but, you know, kind of like how the Fast and the Furious introduces antagonists. Mm-hmm. By the end of the movie, they're family. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk quickly about the Night Fox uh, portrayed by Vincent Cassell. So he is sort of like the uh, preeminent Thief in Gentleman Europe, like thief in Europe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's very classy. Um, yeah, he flies under the radar. He's like stolen from the Louvre and all these other like they just go through like a laundry list of all these places he's lifted from. And, you know. It, they go to do the first heist that they do in the movie, and it turns out that he got there first and just left him a little message and was like, I challenge you to a duel, more or less. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, a thief duel, and then yeah, he kind of becomes the other primary antagonist. Obviously, there's still Benedict, but he's really just in the background at this point. Like, you have two weeks, otherwise, I'm going to murder you all. Um, and so yeah, the Night Fox, yeah, is just sort of like the the world's greatest thief, 
And then he ends up kind of trying to do the same heist for the Fabergé egg as them. Yeah. Um, yes. And I mentioned to Ryan while we were watching the movie, I said, this guy kind of looks like Matthew Lillard. And I actually just wish it was Matthew Lillard. Um, he does a great job as a snooty Frenchman in this. Um, not not knocking the actor they got, but just made me want Matthew Lillard to be in this movie because they look so similar. Look, it's it's hard to not want Matthew Lillard in That's every true. movie. That's true. Um, and then one last character I want to touch on because he'll be important in some things, which is Lamarck. Lamarck is the master thief in this world. Um, we, we don't know a lot about him. They talk about him a lot. He is the Night Fox's uh, mentor. He helped train him. Um, and we don't want to reveal too much before the three minute plot challenge, yeah. but he's kind of a shadowy figure in the background who kind of kicks this off uh, all this, all the plot. Yeah, very elusive, sort of like the most notorious thief, kind of like a Houdini character almost um, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, he's. He's not really heavily featured in the movie, but he's brought up quite a bit as, yeah, like sort of the, the master in disguise, the, the, the thief of to all thieves. Yeah. <laughs> the master of he's disguise. He's too turtly for the turtle club. <laughs> Am I not turtly enough for the turtle club? All right. You know what? I'm dreading this, but let's get the three minutes on the clock, Ryan. Let me know when you've got it. I'm, I'm going to be doing our three minute plot challenge. Um, it's my turn without a guest in this ultra confusing movie. <laughs> All right, Cody. Three, two, one, go. All right, things actually start out pretty strong with uh, Terry Benedict just visiting everyone. It's a great montage. Uh, he just shows up and he, like, with very little effort, is like, "I'm here. I'm here to ruin your lives. You stole from me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you all unless you give me my money with interest." So the gang gets back together and they're like, "We have to pay him back." Um, how do we do it? They start talking about they need to take jobs in Europe because they're all marked in the U.S. after the casino heist. They can't do anything. Um, they do a quick roundtable of like, how much does everyone owe? You know, some people owe like nothing, which is funny. And Rusty's like, I've sunk my money at a hotel. I actually owe more than I stole <laughs> because the hotel business is so bad. Um and so, you know, and Saul actually goes, you know what, guys, I'm old. Um, he's not going to kill me. And sorry, I'm going to be selfish. I'm leaving. So you actually have to steal more. And everyone's like, you know what? Fine, Saul, you can leave. That's fine. <laughs> like, you're old. We don't want to make you heist again. Um, so they uh, decide that they're going to go uh, meet with a contact in Europe. They kind of pranked Linus with it. This guy, Matsui, is like, you got to steal the first ever stock certificate. They lift a building. Um, which is when they first turn into Agent Lahiri. And we get like some flashbacks of her and Rusty um, when they were in love. And she quickly deduces what happened. And we see while she's investigating that they break the safe open because it was already open. And it's a uh, tape recorder and it's the night box. And he's like, my mentor, an American businessman told me and my mentor on a sailboat, you were the best heistman and I'm the best heistman. So I challenge you to a duel. I told Benedict that you stole his money. And if you don't, if you don't beat me in the duel, you're all going to die. <laughs> Ryan's not with this voice. I'm doing for Nightbox. And so they're like, great deal. So then they start planning a heist about midway through the heist. Uh, they, a bunch of them get made right as they're planning to replace it with a holographic projection of the Fabergé egg. Agent Lahiri picks a shit ton of them up. And then it's I think we're left with like Turk, Linus, uh, Saul comes back. And Bru uh, not Bruiser, what's his name? 
uh, Don Cheadle. Don Cheadle's character. Basher. So, Basher. And then they go to Julia Roberts and they're like, Julia Roberts, do you know you look like Julia Roberts? Can you be Julia Roberts? And then Bruce Willis, of all people, shows up and he's like, you're not Julia Roberts. He ruins it. Uh, everyone gets arrested. Linus is interviewed by the FBI because Agent Lahiri had to forge a note to get the thing. So then turns out that's Linus's mom, the FBI agent. They drive away safely. Uh, Tess and Danny confront the Night Fox at his place. And he's like, well, we actually stole the egg because it was in a bag. So you stole a fake egg. And he's like, oh, my goodness. Fine. Get out of here. You win. You win. And then Rusty uh, is lets the agent track him to a um, track him to a plane and they find her daddy, who is Lamarck. Congratulations. In arriving second, Mr. Ocean, you have joined a long line of people who have worked very hard and risked a great deal only to get somewhere second. And she laughs as the credits play. Uh, There's like a the last thing I didn't get to. So that was time is like there's a the post. I mean, the end of the movie is like they all meet up for a friendly poker game because now they're, I guess, millionaires again. I'm so confused on how that works. And so. um, (laughs) So then they're like playing and then Rusty busts in. He's like, you're all arrested. Just kidding. I ruined my girlfriend's career in life. And now she's going to be in love with me. And then she laughs and it freeze frames on a very blurry Catherine Zeta-Jones laughing. Yeah. Um, one thing that you did mention, but I think we'll, I'll uh, expand on this a little bit is like, yeah. So at, at the end of the movie or towards the end of the movie, it's sort of post climax. Uh, Danny Ocean and Tess are at the Night Fox's house and they reveal that he was able to like go past the lasers, which were supposedly impossible to mm-hmm. penetrate by he danced past break them. dancing, <laughs> which I'll talk about that. Um, and then, yeah, it's revealed that uh, he stole a replica because apparently uh, Danny and Rusty went to visit Lamarck, who told them that the real egg was going to be transported by some like skinny teenager on a train. And so the way that they get that is like there's two agents sitting across from him. But then one Danny's wearing uh, a New York Yankees hat. And what's Scott Khan's character's name? Turk. Turk. Turk uh, not from Scrubs. Turk from uh, Ocean's 12 is wearing a Boston Red Sox hat. So they like get into a scuffle and then somehow switch like Matt Damon uh, Linus switches out the bags. And yeah, so then that's how they got the egg. Yeah. themselves uh and they actually like zoom in on this bag that they have with them for like so much of the movie that i think it's a little telling like they did a bit yeah. better of it last time of like one of the shots in 11 is from the swat team's mm. windshield but you don't know it there's just a tree like hanging up and yeah. then it cuts to that scene when they reveal that they have the swat van versus like it's all about this bag and you just see the bag they linger on it like also, it's just so like a often. messenger bag. Like, isn't this egg worth like hundreds of millions of dollars? And like, sure, you can bubble wrap it or whatever. But it's like, I don't know. Like, why do they have this like scrawny little teenager? No offense to that person. I'm just saying like, you'd think, you Ryan know, wants him to be a jacked little teenager. <laughs> yeah, I, I need I need to, you to fucking CGI teenage John Cena busting <laughs> through his shorts. Well, as this guy. But no, I'm just saying like, it seems like that. Like, it seems very cavalier to have just, like, two agents who were thwarted by two baseball fans, like, Here's <laughs> wrestling the, on a train. Yeah. Here's the other thing. At the end of the movie, they just give the bag to Lamarck. 
Like they don't take it back. They don't give it to the authorities, which is so they're just like, we still have this Faberge, Faberge egg for you because yeah. the bag was with us. So here you go. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about uh, let's let's do a recap and a rating. I'll I'll start. Yeah. Um, just to recap. Yeah, there there's I mean, at the end of the day, I'll say this. It's a fun oceans movie. If you haven't watched this movie, I'd say worth watching. Um, you know, it's still a fun heist movie. I, I think the best part of this movie is like the opening where you see Brad Pitt like sneak out the window once he starts to realize that Catherine Zeta Jones is on to him. And then the montage of Terry Benedict finding everyone is a lot of fun. I, I think when he catches um Elliot Gould, what's his character's oh, name? Uh not Ruben. Uh, Saul. No, that's not Saul. No, that's not Saul. Ruben. 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 He catches Ruben. Uh, yeah, when he catches Ruben, he's getting his palm read and he's like asking about the future. I don't know. He's asking oh. about someone else. And she's like, I can't read that. And then Terry Benedict shows up behind him and he's like, you couldn't predict this. <laughs> uh, that made me laugh out loud. And then, yeah, once they're all back together and like kind of talking about how much they owe, it's very funny. Like the really nervous tech guy is like, uh, what's the interest? They're like six million. He's like, that's how much I owe. I've been staying with my parents. <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah, just it's like kind of idiot. like, you know, like little vignettes of all of them saying kind of similar stuff, which I think is just very funny. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think, again, it sort of falls flat in that, like, yeah, the way like the reveal of like the egg being in the bag the whole time just kind of fell a little flat to me. Yeah, these impossible like there, there's like those moving lasers in the museum. And the Night Fox legitimately just puts in headphones and break dances to get past them. Also, they don't show how he actually took the egg. They just show how he got past those lasers and then nothing else. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And also, again, I don't I really don't want to make it seem like I'm shitting on Catherine Zeta Jones as like a performer or anything. But the plot that she's part of towards the end, I think was just like a very Hollywood Hollywood ending is like so Lamarck ends up being her father and they're reunited and she's like where have you been and he just goes I've been waiting for this and then they just like hug and it's like I don't think that would be the she'd be like fuck you like I wanted the goddamn father <laughs> like sorry you couldn't stop stealing like don't have a kid if you want that lifestyle you know we're gonna get the explicit rating on this uh, podcast I, which I is already, fine I already did that do we have to use that term but yeah and, and so there's that and then like her and, and yeah she just like flips so easily now she's like hanging out playing poker with them and I just I don't know I just didn't necessarily buy that for that character. Yeah. Real quick, before you get to your rating, I am going to call out that they say something and, and I don't think it makes it better. But, you know, he's like, well, your mother said that if he ever came near you again, she was going to have him put away and she had evidence of his crimes, which sure. But like, why now? She's been an adult for so long. We don't know what's up with her mom. Like maybe her mom's dead. They don't talk about it. So like, okay, cool. Why didn't he reach out when she was like 19 or something? You know, it just seems mm -hmm. very odd. Yeah. But then, sorry, one last thing just to talk about the Night Fox a little bit, too. I kind of felt the same about his character. Like, he's this, again, he's the greatest thief in the world. And we don't ever actually see him take anything. Because I don't think we see him take anything out of the safe in the house where they get, like, the first ever, like, stock certificate or whatever. So it's like, I, yeah, I want to see him, like. Pull some crazy stuff beyond just, again, dancing through the, the lasers, which, like, was kind of a cool scene. But, yeah, it's like you're going to talk about this thief and, like, how he's stolen from all these places that are impossible to steal from. 
and then we're never going to actually see it. So, uh, as far as my rating, I will give this movie two and a half out of. Uh, if my wife is listening, I'm sorry, but I'm going to give this two and a half out of five palm readings. <laughs> Great. I love it. I was like on the edge of my seat. I was like, what are you going to choose? It was so anticlimactic. I just couldn't think of anything. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, okay. Great. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, you to really just talk about the night Fox's exploits. It's like, we could have really had a fun scene. Like I brought it up in the last episode when they're like the three least successful route or the three most successful robberies at Vegas. Yeah. We could have done a fun montage like that with someone talking about them. We just don't get that in this movie. They have too much to do, which is a lot of what I'm going to talk about in my recap and rating is I think that there is nothing wrong with all three plot lines they have going on. They just shouldn't all be in this movie. Have Terry Benedict getting his revenge and maybe one more. And have, because the idea of a fellow thief and a heist off, wow, that is fun. I want to watch that movie. The idea of a former love interest is the person hunting them because she is a Europol agent. Like, yeah, I want to watch that movie. Or Terry Benedict being like, you stole from me. You have to give me my money back by performing jobs or else I'll kill you, you and your families. Like, all of those are such interesting things. But because we have to deal with all these different characters, you know, we really like don't get to spend as much time, I feel, with the people that we did in the first movie. Um, they, I just, I can't get over how bad the plot is with like, the fact that Tess looks like Julia Roberts, which isn't a terrible idea, but they're all known actors. So here's my thing. If Julia Roberts looks like Julia Roberts, then why don't they do that with Danny Ocean looks like George Clooney. Rusty looks like Brad Pitt. Like we have all these people that are look just like it. I, I joked about this to my girlfriend and she said, well, maybe they're not in that universe. And I was like, we have established Bruce Willis and Julia Roberts. We have all the others, I'm sure. But yeah, it's just it's just like a full of good ideas that I wish they had executed better. The movie starts so strong. We keep talking about that Terry Benedict scene, and it is great. And my favorite one is probably like the wedding, the two brothers. Uh, one of them's getting married, and he thinks everyone at the table except for his brother, and his brother's like about to give a toast and be kind of a jerk. And then we just see Kane tap him, and he's like, get up. And he like stands up and then, you know, he slowly walks him over with the cane. That is some great, great chewing of scenery. I think that the Terry Benedict we get in two and three is very fun because they make him more of a malicious figure and more just like he gets to be a little over the top. Um, But yeah, I mean, all this comes down to Ryan, like you said, it's a fine enough heist movie. It's a great ensemble movie. It's a fine Oceans movie. Just doesn't reach the highs of 11 to me. I'm going to give it, I think I'm going to give it a three out of five just because I am a fan of these movies and it doesn't bother me as much. It's just one of those things where unless I'm watching all of them, I'm not really going to toss this one on. Um, but, uh, oh, shout out to a show we love. What we do in the shadows has one of my oh, favorite yeah. jo- running jokes of the show is that the neighbor character love loves Ocean's 12 and he's never seen 11 or 13. He watches 11 and he's like, too much about the casino. <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. Go watch what we do in the shadows. Um, it's a great, great show. Um, but I'm going to give it three out of five um, tiny little sculptures that are left at the scene of a heist. <laughs> all right. Jeez, Topher, you didn't have to go all Frankie Muniz on me. I'm going to steamroll into the next 
thing. I don't think we need this movie for this franchise. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, like the first one kind of ended really well. And it's like you didn't really. I, I guess you kind of have like the open wound almost of them stealing from Terry Benedict. So it kind of made sense. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we necessarily needed this movie. Like, I guess it kind of made sense. Like, oh, they were in Vegas. Now let's go to Europe. There's a lot of like really obviously incredible museums and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't necessarily think we needed it. I mean, <laughs> it's so funny because I think you know that they, the writers and director knew we didn't need this movie. Cause I'm, I'd have to look at oceans 13. I'd have to see to be sure, but I'm almost positive none of the characters that are introduced in this movie come back. But Terry Benedict, Tess, and all the other characters that we've loved in 11 come back, clearly. Also, it's called Ocean's 12. Did you know this? Because Tess becomes the 12th high school. Yeah, I did know that, yeah. Yeah, which is fun. I, I guess I just assumed that was the naming convention of mm -hmm. it, since she doesn't really even do a good job heisting. She gets arrested, like, yeah. five minutes into it. But, um... Yeah, so I just don't think we need this movie in the franchise. I think we need a second movie. Sure. But I think that, like, again, strip down one of the plots, figure it out, make it more streamlined. Um, just so busy. And it makes the world too connected. Lamarck is the tutor of the Night Fox. He is the father of Agent Lahiri. And he is on a pretty good talking basis with Danny Ocean and Rusty to the point where he calls them up and goes, I've created trouble for you guys, you know? It just makes this world that felt so personal in the first movie. Like, yes, they know Benedict. Tess is dating Benedict. But that is the impetus for why they are doing it. You know, it makes sense. Of course, Danny's trying to hit this casino. His wife is dating the owner. But like, they don't say like, oh, and I went to high school with Terry Benedict. Mm -hmm. I've always hated him. You know, there isn't like a weird, the world is so small. And in, yeah. in a way, they went, they went, let's go to Europe. Let's make this world bigger. And then with all their character choices, Linus's mom being an FBI agent, which does come back in 13 and is done funnier, in my opinion. But it just makes everything seem so, so small to me. How do I not see these things? One, one kind of final thing, too, is like it, this was supposed to be a heist off. If that's the case, like I want to see their heists intertwined. Like maybe the Night Fox steals the egg from them. They steal it back. They're, they're doing it completely separate and you don't ever see that overlap, which I think that would have been a lot more satisfying of a film, too. Yeah, it just also doesn't make sense. Like why? Like, I guess it is Rusty's plan for Agent Lahiri to connect with her father again. But why? Why do we have this whole thing where, like, they're they get arrested? They're pretending to do all this stuff. Like, I just don't get the need for that if they have the egg the whole time. Right. Take the egg to the night box and be like, we already saw it. <laughs> Yeah. What? To kind of move on to the next segment, I would say this definitely hurt the franchise. Yeah. I think even people who are really big fans of this franchise aren't don't care for this movie. I also think it particularly hurts that it was the second film. You know, we we just finished Back to the Future three and we talked about how, you know, the third is, you know, pretty much universally thought to be the least favorite of them. Yeah. Uh, I still think Back to the Future three is a better movie than this movie yeah. in general, but also like, yeah, yeah. the second installment of a franchise, I don't think. Uh, I don't think this helped at all. I, I would definitely say it hurt. I don't think Ocean's 12 is is beloved by any to any extent. To the point where we asked our guest who will be on 13 if they wanted to do Ocean's 12. And they said, no, I don't like that movie. Can I do 13? Which is why me and Ryan are just talking to each other this episode. Uh, nobody wanted to do Ocean's 12. I'm bad, sure we, bad I'm sure movie, we could have asked somebody. Yeah, but like, our go-tos for Oceans were all yeah. not wanting to talk about it. Um, 
Yeah, I definitely think it it hurts the franchise again because we don't get characters that like come back. Like, yeah, like if it had helped the franchise, you know, I go back to, you know, we both love Fast and the Furious. Like those characters, sometimes they introduce new characters and it's like, oh, they've got to come back because mm-hmm. they're just so beloved. You know, and yeah. those like, you know, we're, we're going to get into the Fast and Furious one day, but like sure. the third movie is my least favorite, but it introduced Han mm-hmm. and like Han became so beloved. He had. Yeah. come back so i think it is needed for han's introduction yeah this doesn't do anything that that makes it needed and i think it just hurts the franchise so where does it fall in the franchise for me Pfft, until i see oceans eight this is dead last for me yeah i mean it definitely i i agree we'll we'll talk uh, you know we'll rank obviously the four of them once we get there but at least compared to 11 yeah uh by a large margin uh Least favorite. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's mean. He's just mean spirited. Brian, do you want to either recast the two new characters or would you prefer to talk about? I'm thinking of two games off the top of my head. Either recast the two new characters, which we have not prepared for, or say what the heist should have been that would have been more exciting. <laughs> That's, I'm, I'm curious what you think a more exciting heist would be. Yeah. I think. That's a great question. I think go National Treasure with it. Like, Mm. go historic with it in a weird way like let them focus on having to steal something of of, of real import because we had a personal thing the first time and if they were stealing something that is like a symbol of something like the declaration of independence which that would be crazy in its own way but i think that's fine you know at least there's like a reason like a fabergé egg sure it's valuable why is it in this museum what's its history who cares I don't care. Nobody, nobody literally cares about the Fabergé egg. It is a plot point. Make it so that the thing they have to steal is so valuable that we know what it is. So we are like, make it, even if you're going to Europe, make it freaking the Mona Lisa. Do something like that so that we are like, wow, they're stealing that in this movie. You know, I just feel like that would be a little bit better. Yeah, that would have been cool. Um, I, I can't necessarily think of like an object that I want them to take, but I think it would have been cool if they would have had to uh break into Europol headquarters or like somewhere to get like wherever they hold evidence or some sort of like really important file or like something that was held on a computer. Cause then you kind of have like I, I think that personalizes it a bit more, especially yeah. for Rusty and like obviously, you know, breaking into Interpol. Uh it would be Europol, right? Yeah. We don't have the rights. <laughs> That's fine. Um we'll work on it. Um, I, I think that would have just been cool, and I think it would have like had been a little bit of a cleaner intertwining of of the different like antagonists and everything too. You're right, because you know what we don't get in this movie. I didn't even think about that. Is like the Brad Pitt being the doctor, them being the SWAT team. Mm-hmm. We get it briefly with the Julia Roberts scene, but like it's it's over and done with in such a short time that we don't have like everyone having to pretend to be different people, which was part of the fun I think of the first movie. You know, we talk about yeah. loving those moments, but yeah. So that was our fun game. We talked about what Ice Creed want instead. I yeah. I surprised Ryan with it. Boom, but boom, 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 boom. It's not my nature to be mysterious, but I can't talk about it, and I can't talk about why. Well, thanks for listening. Tune in uh, next week where we move on to the next film in, in this uh, franchise, which Ooh. is going to be Ocean's Thirteen. Unlucky number, Ocean's Thirteen. Bye, bye. Last conversation, a little more action, please.